everybody, welcome back to an extra episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Branvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. How you doing, Jay? I'm doing fine. I'm sorry, I was looking away there. One of my kids just tripped down the stairs as we're doing our uh, intro. He's, <laughs> he's okay. Was, there were some giggles afterwards. Back, but bounce I, back up. Yeah, I heard this. I thought for a second there, it's like, oh, do you see the UPS driver coming and there's going to be a dog? No, God, no, please. We know what that's like. For those who don't know, you know, we got three dogs here. And when the UPS driver comes, it's all hell breaks loose. But they protect you, don't they? Um so um, real quick, we want to just once again thank HypeBot.com, BandsInTown.com for everything you do to support us, and DiscMakers.com, thank you for your continuing sponsorship. We know it's a digital world. It's going to be a digital world for a long time now because everything's going digital. Um, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, T-shirts at gigs and online has become an important income generator. For every CD you sell at a gig or online, you'd need roughly 3,000 streams to make that same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. So we got a special offer we put together with DiscMakers.com for everybody. Head over to DiscMakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs, and when you check out in the promo code field, enter FREEBIZ, F-R-E-E-B-I-Z, all one word, and you'll save up to $150 in shipping. Nice. Great deal. So discmakers.com, order 100 or more CDs, promo code FREEBIZ, and save up to $150. So, Jay, this this little extra weekly episode, um, this is is just a, I don't know how to describe it. This is a must-listen to. Oh, absolutely. It's it's one of the most important shows we've ever done, and I probably learned more from this show than any other show we've done. And it's just, it's very timely, and it's very important, and I would just encourage everyone to listen through to the end. Yeah, we, we, are, we are joined by Adam Stewart, who um, has been, he's a medical professional, and he's been dealing with this, and he shares his his expert opinion and 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 knowledge on what this is COVID is why it's mm-hmm. here what we're dealing with where is it going to go he even gives us his personal opinion of you know when is he going to be ready as a medical professional yeah. to go That's back right. out and return so um great this, conversation. Is, this, is, this is a great conversation let it roll listen to adam stewart so we want to welcome this special episode twice a week episode uh our guest this week for this episode is adam stewart um adam adam's going to be contributing some perspective to this whole covid crisis from the side of uh, a medical professional which i think is is really good for us in the music industry to understand why some of this stuff is happening and not happening i think is what it comes down to adam thank you thank you for joining Thank you for inviting me. So, uh, uh, let me ask you: Are you, are you? And obviously, I don't. I'm not asking you for for specifics or anything. But are you treating, diagnosing? Have you been around COVID patients? Have you experienced it firsthand? I have. Um, I work in a medical center that has redirected 
over the last two and a half months um, in office visits uh, to go towards telemedicine um, in order to protect both the staff and the patients. Um, probably in the month of March, as March was winding down and the CDC was sending out advisories and protocols that were up, being updated almost every other day, um, the company, which is a large company, uh, started um, to put a plan in place in order to send a huge percentage of the workforce to work at home and to be networked into the office. And in my office, I'm a pediatrician, um, I have a skeleton crew, um, and I've been operating for probably the last six weeks um, by myself um, and pretty much triaging by telephone in order to um, decide who needs to be seen, especially newborns, uh, versus a 16-year-old who needs a annual uh, well-child exam that can wait until yeah. uh, the, 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 um, the protocols have been lifted. Is it difficult to diagnose somebody over, over <laughs> Skype over or Zoom, Zoom or Skype. a telephone? I mean, that's got to be crazy for you because you're, you're a professional. You've been doing this for a long time. You have protocols. You have procedures and processes. And then, boom, all that goes out the window. And you're like, hey, I'm not feeling good, <laughs> doctor. <laughs> and you're like, all right, well, say ah. And you can't <laughs> listen. And, I mean, that's got to be crazy for you. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's a challenge. I've never, I've been doing this almost thirty years. I've never participated in telemedicine before, and then COVID hit. Um, wow. it, it was a quick uh, learning curve. I bet. But you know, some of it is like everything else. I mean, twenty nine years after a while, I mean, there's just so many patterns. But yeah, I mean, there's some difficult cases, and especially with the changing. Um, descriptions. I mean, once upon a time, the only questions you needed to ask were, did you come from Wuhan or Japan right. or Saudi Arabia? Right. That seems like ages ago. Yeah. Now, it's even just the symptom complex has changed. And especially for me with pediatrics, now there's this whole new thing going on that looks a lot like what's called Kawasaki's uh, disease for children who pretty much have fared okay during this COVID crisis. Um, now there's rashes and abdominal pain and diarrhea. So yes, I mean, the symptoms are unfortunately not unique to COVID. It's uh, it's not unique to any one complaint. So yes, it's difficult on the phone. How do you tell the difference between the common flu and in this COVID? And, and you know, clearly I'm not a doctor, but from what I'm reading, the symptoms can vary from very, very minor symptoms to life-threatening, it's not like you can just, it's the same symptoms for every single patient. How, how do you, and especially if you're dealing with pediatric, some of these people can't tell you what is going on with them. That's got to be challenging too to, to diagnose this. No, it's true. And um, influenza is exactly one of the reasons why uh, it's been a problem since COVID came on the, the scene to explain to the naysayers and the, the conspiracy nuts that we're not dealing <laughs> right. with it's not an a hoax. influenza type, type issue. Um, but you're right. Uh, influenza, uh, when it does present, it's an entire spectrum of severity and it mimics in a lot of ways, the, uh, symptoms and complaints of COVID. 
and it does make it very difficult. Now, Adam, you're you're a, a big music fan, as we can tell by by your office there. Um, you go to shows. You've been going to concerts and everything else. Um, sure. What is your personal slash professional view opinion of of I, I don't know how to word this of the concern, the threat of venues, anything from the 100 person in a GA bar to 15,000 people in an arena seeing Kiss. I mean, talk to us about that because you 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 you're kind of covered both. I mean, again, you're a big fan. You love going to these shows, but you're also a doctor. Sure. Well, there's very few medical illnesses that compare to COVID as far as what someone has may actually influence everybody around them. Um, when someone has hypertension, cholesterol issues, diabetes, that's a personal issue that you have. Influenza even, yeah, I mean, if you're sick, you can certainly expose other people, but very different from this conversation that we've been having since January with COVID. Um, you know, by its nature, uh, the music industry and live entertainment is a very intimate experience, more so in a bar, more so in a small venue, but no different than in a 30, 40, 50,000 seat arena. For the first time, I mean, everybody's been talking ad nauseum about social distancing. It's, it's impossible, uh, whether you're in a bar or a small venue or a 30, 40, 50,000 seat venue. And it would be impractical. Um, to rope off every other aisle, to rope off every other seat, um, yeah, the line into a bathroom with yeah. everybody distancing, you know, six feet until this Con is under control. I, I can't imagine yeah. how it's gonna how it's gonna actually happen well, when you, it happens. You, and and the other thing that 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 kind of just boggles my mind is, you know, as we've seen all the reports that the the virus can live for an incredibly long time on surfaces, you know. From metal surfaces, wood, paper, different different lengths of time that it survives. How do you How could you even think of disinfecting an arena? I mean, sure, okay, you've got every other row, but that doesn't stop. You know that that classic scene from the movie Outbreak, where somebody sneezes yep. in a movie theater, and you see the. I still to this day I saw that movie in the theater, and that was just like a eye opening Scarred scene for, for me. Is like. Oh my God, that's really what happens. It's just invisible yeah. and it just floats over the people in front of you and lands six rows ahead of you, even sure. though there's a distancing. I mean, that that's what I I just to me that's that's the big issue here is you can't you can't you can't stop the virus. It's just no. the way it is. And you can't disinfect as much as we wash our hands, you can't disinfect every doorknob in an arena, every countertop, every, you know, every, you have to be doing it every escalator, every, yeah, you, you need literally an army of people doing nothing but disinfecting. Sure. Um, you know, it's one, th you know, like after a KISS concert with all the confetti that needs to be cleaned up off the floor, at least that's after the event. In real time, if someone, let's say, goes to an event and you know who knows let's say masks are still in place you pull it down you have a straw you put it back up what happens if they sneeze everything aerosolized 
particulate matter that you can't see. I mean, the problem is it's an invisible germ and you have to trust that it's there. You have to assume that every surface is infected. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a real issue with cleaning in real time versus cleaning after the event. How can you possibly uh, address every single surface? Um, virus particles by nature live yeah. on fomites. Uh, yeah. T uh, objects and surfaces that are not human tissue, for instance. Yeah. It's, I would say, virtually impossible to uh, assure the public that a venue would be cleaned to the point that it's sterilized and safe for you to enter. Um, what, just monumental. Yeah, what, what makes COVID-19 different than other things like the flu? Why is it so communicable? Why is it so difficult and to control? And, you know, it just seems like it's so dangerous and it's so lethal. I mean, I think I saw in the news this morning, it was like 80-something thousand people have died in the U.S. alone from this thing. What makes it so special? Um, good question. Part of the problem is it's, by definition, a novel infection. It's appearing on the world stage for the first time. The family of viruses, you know, we know about, they're called coronaviruses. This is, I think, the seventh um, uh, in a family of viruses that are known. Um, part of the problem is there's no innate immunity. Nobody's been exposed because this is brand new. Gotcha. Um, the likelihood is that it literally jumped from animal to human, which happens. Um, that's a, a well-established scenario with uh, a lot of infections in the world. Mm -hmm. um, I don't buy into at all the conspiracy theories about bioengineering, and it was purposefully set yeah. loose from a, a lab. They've done enough genetics um, since mid-January to know that the backbone of the virus is very, very, very similar to what we already know about coronaviruses, but mutations happen, and that's exactly what happened as it moved westward from uh, China to, in our case, the United States. Um, the other issue as far as what makes it different from influenza and why is it so infectious, um, scientists and, and doctors are still working on that. Um, they definitely know how uh, the virus gains entry into the individual cells of the body. But unfortunately, like a lock and key, the receptor for the virus is a type of protein that unfortunately happens to be on lots of different tissue. In the beginning, it was touted as a respiratory infection, pneumonia. And unfortunately, now with rashes and, and uh, intestinal issues, um, strokes, so the brain, um, there's just so many um, uh, organ systems in the body that can be infected. Um, influenza is different because that's an annual uh, infection. It is endemic in the world, meaning it just never disappears. Each year, the CDC decides if you want to be vaccinated, which vaccine product is going to be in the vaccine itself to take care of the different types of uh, influenza that the CDC thinks is going to be addressing your particular area where you live. Um, so the vaccine, which um, I've been administering uh, for months now, 
will not be the same vaccine when I start the next sure. flu season. Sure. Right. Yeah. Right. And, do, and, do, and as you, you've heard, there's nothing for COVID yet. Well, I was just going to ask you. So we, we we know they're they're researching and testing um, COVID vaccines, and you know the the word is 12 to 18 months down the road it might be available to use. But even given that, do you think or or can COVID kind of become similar to the flu in that there's going to, it's always going to be here and every year there's going to be just a slightly different strain of COVID-19. So you're going to need to get a new, you know, uh, 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 vaccine every year to keep it in check. Is that something that's feasible here? Is it possible to happen? Yeah, unfortunately, that's wow. a good point you raised. Because the virus mutates, um, getting a vaccine, if and when it's available, will will not produce lifelong immunity. The virus that becomes endemic and will appear in your area next season or six months from now will likely be different from the virus that the vaccine is being manufactured against. Wow. So, yeah, it, it's, it's a tremendous um, undertaking because I can't imagine... You know, 12 to 18 months, um, I've never seen it in my lifetime and in the history of vaccines, as you've heard, it's never happened. That quickly, um, right, even, right. Yeah, I mean, even from um, discussing once they have a vaccine available, just the manufacture of hundreds and hundreds of millions of doses and everything that goes into that and then distributing yeah. around the world um, I can't imagine that that's going to take place anytime soon. Right. Well, g generally speaking, if you had a, a a patient tomorrow and you felt that this person had this virus, what are generally how would you treat them? Um, like influenza, because there's no cure for influenza. There's only suggestions on how to feel better. So. For the handful of patients that I've had that have tested positive with COVID, it's self-quarantining, it's yep. staying hydrated, it's washing your hands, wearing a mask, until you have a subsequent test that tests negative, then you follow it up within 48 hours with another test, and if it's negative, you're free to escape your house or wherever you're at. Mm -hmm. um, but, but there's no quote-unquote medicine that's specific for COVID. And the Tamiflu that's used for influenza, for instance, is not an anti-influenza medicine. It's a medicine that shortens the duration of the illness and may make you feel better. I have, in 30 years, never written a prescription for Tamiflu because I recognize what it is. It's like taking Tylenol or chicken soup or, you know, it, 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 staying it, in bed it, just it, makes it, you right. feel better. It basically yeah. Thank you. treats the symptoms, and that's sort of what we're at right now with COVID, is all you can do is kind of treat the symptom itself and hope you can control that so it, the respiratory issues don't get worse, but you can't yeah. do anything to actually combat COVID at this point. That's horrifying. No. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's very scary. Yeah, the only thing you can do, which has been going on since... January is educate to discuss as far as what we know, how it's yeah. transmitted, and what you need to do as a moral and ethical citizen of the world so that you don't spread it to other people because, as you know, the problem is these asymptomatic people that don't know they have it, yet if you tested them days or a week or two weeks, 
you find out that they have circulating antibodies. So whether they were symptomatic or not, they were exposed, their immune system correctly responded, produced antibodies. And, you know, whether they're protected or protected for a short term, the, the, they don't even know that yet. They don't know what kind of titer or level of antibody it's going to take to protect you. Just like after an immunization, no guarantee that the immunization, quote unquote, takes. It depends how your body responds in, in a correct way with your immune system in order to boost and produce what's called the anamnestic response, which means your body doesn't forget. So That's it's very crazy. complicated. Yeah. It's it's like the perfect killer. I mean, if you you can't see it, you can't smell it, some people have it and don't even know they have it. I mean, that is just so horrifying to me. It it when we start talking about these shows that are coming up in the next, you know, couple of years, whenever, I don't see this as a return to normal for a long, long time because of what you just described, unless they do come up with some kind of vaccine or something, but even then, to to an earlier point, it's not just a one size fits all. You just take this one pill and everybody's happy and done. As you pointed out, diseases mutate; they have different strains. This thing scares the hell out of me. Me too. Um, the other problem is not everybody's going to be vaccinated once it's available, because there's a huge uh, part of our uh, population that doesn't believe in vaccines. Right. The second issue is, as I said, you get vaccinated, not a guarantee that you're going to be protected, or you may be going out too early before your immune system has been boosted. Um, the other issue is whether or not herd immunity is going to exist, which means people that are not protected and certainly those not vaccinated, can they take advantage of everybody else that is vaccinated? There has to be enough people that buy into the vaccination strategy in order for herd immunity to work. It is impossible to vaccinate every single human being on the planet. So that being said, we have to assume that enough people are going to be vaccinated, enough are going to be healthy, and that will be enough to stave the continued expression of the virus, whether you're wearing a mask or not. Um, That's about the only approach right now that they're looking at. Adam, what's going to make you feel comfortable and ready to go back to concerts what what do you want to see you know completed done changes made that will make you with all of your experience and knowledge feel comfortable to walk back in whether it's 100 people or 15,000 people yeah that's a good question i had a quick conversation with one of my daughters yesterday who wanted to go to a restaurant in North Florida to literally go in, sit down, eat. She told me the staff is wearing masks, but she wouldn't be. So I said, what's the point? Why are you going to go in if the staff is wearing masks for a reason, but you're not? What would it take for me to be comfortable? There has to be such an increase in testing uh, for people to know that They've either been exposed or they're protected, as far as we could tell by definition, that they're protected with circulating antibodies. I would want to know that the testing has ramped up, uh, very unlike what Trump is suggesting it has, because it hasn't, but it has to ramp up to the point that um, the, the largest percentage possible in a given area 
especially for a concert where the venue is, has been tested. And there's going to have to be some sort of paper, certificate, something that's yeah. available, just like a ticket to gain entry, to, I think, um, keep people comfortable psychologically, physically, yeah. Uh, yeah. keep them healthy mentally and physically. I think there's going to need to be some sort of certificate um, that shows that you're essentially clear to enter the venue. Is there any easy testing? You know what I mean? Like quick testing? Because it seems like, and you would know much more about this than I would, but it seems from, from what I see that these tests where they do nasal swabs or whatever, they, they take time. Sure. And Even the new Abbott tests, it seems like in the last few days, it's coming, it's being reported that, that um, what, up to 15% of those tests that report negative could actually be wrong. And you tell me, but 15% seems like an incredibly unacceptable number for test results. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you, talk, you talk about sensitivity and specificity. You go to the doctor's office because your throat hurts, you get a rapid strep test. You don't feel well, they can do an influenza A and B test in the office. 15 minutes later, you have an answer. You have an answer that you can pretty much feel very comfortable with the answer, whether it's positive or negative, because those tests have been around so long, they went through the, uh, the um, vetting that was required because of science, um, and the tests are very good in order to tell you whether or not you do or don't have strep, influenza. Same thing with a pregnancy test. How would you like to pee on a stick and flip a, a coin and Go. say, well, you know, 50-50 chance that you're pregnant, you're not pregnant. Right now, unfortunately, so many of these tests have been put out to market, including Abbott, which is a very reputable company. But there's been no time to, to vet and to test the sensitivity of these tests. So if you test 10 people and five out of 10 have a false negative, that's no reassurance. You might as well just flip a coin. You just said 50% yeah. of you guys are negative, but maybe you're not. So until those tests are not only ramped up in volume, but the sensitivity and specificity is really drilled down so that you can have 100% as close to it, assurance that the test results are accurate, no sense doing a test. And then the other issue is you do a test and what happens if you're negative and there's a window of infectivity and you become positive, but you don't know it, within 24 hours. And for instance, you go to a concert, you may unfortunately be infectious. What, what about tests for antibodies? Is that possible is that going to happen will will, will, will will that be a a better test than a test for having the infection or not yep uh, antibody tests um just like for mononucleosis um you can test for an acute response and then for a, a longer lasting response one's called igm one's called igg those are blood tests um the results are not available in the office. They're typically send out labs, but the utility of a IgG test, which would tell you if someone's been exposed and they've mounted an appropriate immune response, that takes 
more than a week for your body to respond in that fashion. So you may get the test result back, but your body after being exposed is not going to mount a response that's going to be picked up by the blood test. So if you do the, you know, as a pediatrician, I get kids who, uh, they're not very safe when they fool around. And so they come to my office running within hours of doing something. I can do a test, but it's not worth it. Right. It's not going to tell me anything. If they come back in a week, we'll do a test. So unfortunately, it's going to be the same thing with COVID. Gotcha. Now, can you get it a second time? Has that been established? If you, If I've had the disease and I've been cured of the disease, can I get it again? Um, there's been reported cases both in China and in the United States of people that had documented COVID infection, either based on their symptoms or based on the tests, who weeks later, again, are sick. They do a test and it's positive for an acute infection. So the question is whether or not the first testing was correct. Is the second testing correct? It's kind of like chickenpox clinically. I get kids who their parents tell me they had chicken pox when they were young, but they may have been misdiagnosed. So now they're coming to me as a five or six year old with what definitely looks like chicken pox. Although it's possible to get chicken pox twice, it's rare. So yeah. COVID symptoms, like we discussed, are so protean, just like a headache. It could be a brain tumor, it could be someone bopped you on the head. <laughs> the problem with COVID is the symptoms are protean. So yeah. there's no guarantee that if you have the symptoms, yep, it's COVID. Doesn't it's not one size fits all, like you said. Yeah. I mean it's hard to know the answers to a lot of these questions because this this disease has been around for like a week and a half. You know, I yeah, mean yeah. It, we're all so curious, like, you know, how do we cure this? How do we when's this thing gonna go away? All of this stuff. But, I mean, you're a medical professional, and you don't have all the answers because it's been around for such a short period of time. I would imagine a lot of this is just learning from these different countries and different doctors and, and different patients, and that's going to take some time, right? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, there's no book that uh, you can reference for COVID, um, not only because it's so new, but we don't have the, the answers yet. And if you pull the data from all the different countries looking for their experience and the patients that have been infected in those particular areas, um, it helps. But there are so many variables that go into how sick someone gets, um, the different uh, modalities that are available to, to uh, take care of the patients. Um, a, a study was published a couple of weeks ago that if you were old enough, meaning 65 and older, and you had pre-existing or comorbid issues, the worst thing, t unfortunately, is to go to the hospital and wind up needing to be intubated, meaning on a ventilator, because eight or nine out of 10 patients that were intubated did not get to go home. They died in the hospital. So 10% chance of coming off the ventilator once you were put on the ventilator. I've I, I mean, again, in the beginning, it was described as just a respiratory issue, and autopsies that were done described an Elmer's glue-like substance that was seen within the airways itself. So the virus and the way the body responds, unfortunately, is producing so many complications and a cascade of issues. But getting sick twice um, has definitely been reported, and it's certainly a possibility. No different than influenza. 
Wow. Wow. You know, we're in the, for a long haul here. Yeah, I mean, I <clears> guess <throat> that you know, uh, we had we had a, a a booking agent on a couple weeks ago, and he basically said, you know, he doesn't expect tours and events to really come back to quote whatever normal will be until 2022 it's just Ugh. you know we're we're just there, there there's no coordinated effort i mean in in his mind he's like i'm trying to book a tour but there's no nationwide global wide policy of how everybody should reopen it's like this state's got their own this state's got their own but within the state a county's got different procedures and within a county a city's got a different procedure and it makes it extremely difficult to do anything when there's no single guidance of what's going on. That's true. I was even thinking about the insurance industry as far as who takes the hit for all of these canceled tours, albums that have been shelved. Um, I read that Amazon is not even um, delivering uh, much of the music media because they've had to, unfortunately... Um, divert their uh, distribution to the necessities and what the the world needs as far as Amazon is, is global. Um, even elevator music, um, I read, uh, I mean, a couple of weeks ago as a civics lesson, I was talking to kids about thinking about all the ways, it's like tentacles, all the ways that this COVID infection has impacted the world. And if you sat down and started writing things about sports and the entertainment industry and restaurants, it it's incredible how it has impacted. And if you didn't tell someone what you were talking about as far as this list of 100 items, you'd be hard-pressed to guess that we're talking about COVID because there doesn't seem to be any uh, any similarity between talking about why can't we go see a uh, a professional football game or why can't we go into a bar or why can't we go to a concert um but the impact that this infection has had on the world is is enormous it's it's quite a civics lesson yeah i mean we we've heard this before but it bears repeating tell us what you would recommend people do to stay safe um right now you have to assume that everyone and everything is infected. Whether you're potentially going to be infected or could be infected, whether you have comorbid or pre-existing issues, that's not the problem. You have to assume what universal precautions are all about. So wearing a mask, um, I don't think wearing gloves is appropriate. Um, you go into an area, whether it's a food store, um, some Home Depot I went to this morning, wearing gloves, you're just assuming that your fingers are now infected, can't see anything. All you're doing is transmitting potentially virus from every location that you go to. If you don't wear gloves, wash your hands, use sanitizer, don't touch your face, don't put your fingers near your nose, your eyes, etc. So the only thing we can do right now is social distancing, wearing a mask, to protect other people, you hope that other people will be wearing a mask to protect you, and um, uh, as I said, washing your hands—that's uh, about the only thing that we have available right now. Yeah, well, it's good advice. Do, do you? Uh, this this might be a very heavy question, but do you think 
um, we're trying to reopen too soon? Um, are we, are we, you know, I mean, the initial was, okay, you can start reopening after you've had 14 days of declining infections. Okay, that's, that kind of makes sense, but, you know, are we reopening before we are really ready to be reopened? I'm not talking, and, and I'm not saying this because, yes, the economy is incredibly important and it's impacting everybody here, but are we risking a huge spike and outbreak number two three weeks down the road after everybody's been reopened? Yes, and that's the problem. It's been, you know, just like the, like you were alluding to, there hasn't been one national uh, approach to taking care of COVID. It's been re very regional. The administration said, let the individual states, their governors, let them decide. The flip side is the reopening. The initial CDC and, uh, and um, health department suggestions of this protocol of 14 days downward trend has been in print. It's been on the TV. Everybody knows about it. But if you look at the states and even portions of the states that are reopening, nobody has demonstrated a 14-day downward trend. They're either stable, they're areas that may suggest that there's a downward trend. There are some areas where they talk about spikes, yet the areas are reopening. In Florida, I'm in Miami-Dade County, we still are under the original mandate of social distancing and the masks, no restaurants in service. But in North Florida where and, and mid-Florida, where there was much fewer cases and certainly much fewer deaths, the reopening has happened. Problem is, as everybody says, there's no borders as far as the viruses go. So what you do in one area may impact another area. Yeah. Now, we're not only back to where we started, we may be worse off because there's so many more uh, potential uh, cases of infection at once. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. You know, it's like but, a, a fire and you have to put it out completely. If you have, if it's windy out and you have embers in different spots, yeah, it's just going to blow back up again. And that's my biggest fear is that we've spent all this time and energy and hits on the economy and all of this towards this one goal. And if we reopen too soon, it will throw all of that out the window and, and more senseless loss of life. It's just the whole thing is just horrifying. Yep, agreed. And, yeah. and then the other problem is it's too soon to tell whether or not certain areas have opened too early or too quickly because not enough time has gone by to look back at the data because you have to assume 14 plus or minus days need to go by and that hasn't happened yet. So for all these areas that are jumping up and down and I see on the news people are already at the bars and they're cheering each other, you know, unfortunately, it, it, it may not be the last laugh. Let's see what happens in two weeks. Um, yeah. And it's going to be difficult to put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah. Do, you, do you think part of the problem we have in dealing with COVID is that fortunately, you know, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not downplaying by any means the, the deaths that have already occurred because they are huge and tragic, but it's got a, you know, a fatality rate that isn't 50%, that isn't 75%. You know, pe people are like, geez, you know, you, if I caught Ebola, you're, it's 100%, you're dead. You know, so part of the problem are we dealing with here is that people are like, 
yeah, you know, the odds are most of us, it's going to just come in and leave and not impact us whatsoever. So they treat it nonchalantly versus, oh, my God, COVID-19 has a fatality rate of 75%. I think that would, the mindset of people would be like, oh, my God, you know, I can't do this. I can't do anything now. Yeah, I, I agree. But see, if that's what people are focusing on, as far as the numbers not high enough to warrant their change in behavior and their respect of what the data and what scientists are telling you to do, I mean, yeah, I think that's absurd. Ebola didn't affect the United States, yet it remained like it did in Africa. But it remained an extremely, like you said, uh, lethal infection if you got it. Thank God it didn't affect the United States. But influenza, uh, very contagious, less contagious than COVID, but still responsible for killing, unfortunately, tens of thousands of people a year. Yeah. And that's the problem. The pundits say, why don't we talk about uh, influenza? Nobody mentions the tens of thousands of deaths problem is we've been exposed to influenza the vaccine is available um it's not spread the way covid is and that's the problem again covid is a novel infection and nobody has any innate immunity so for now until things change yeah. and it becomes endemic and there's other things that we can do you have to respect this this invisible germ it's it's extremely lethal whether or not you are going to be impacted i don't think is the full story it's irrelevant because that's why you're wearing a mask to protect other people so that it doesn't become a domino issue wear a mask it's a very simple thing and protect everybody else that's around you i mean you yeah. you, you you gotta wear um, a shirt and shoes. You can't go into a store barefoot. God mm. knows people like, I wouldn't walk on a floor in a store because it's so disgusting. Sure. Wear a mask. What's yep. what's the big deal? You already have, I mean, we don't walk around naked. There's, there's rules, there's regulations, there's laws. Uh, yeah, I've just never understood the, all of a sudden, the mask is the line that you cross. It's like, oh, what are you talking about? It's not a line that was crossed. It's it's not a, it, it actually is not a inconvenience to you at all. May, uh, maybe a little more to me because I wear glasses and they fog up every time I breathe. But you know what? I'll live with that. See, you're normal. You have a <laughs> subset of, you have a subset of people that will look for every reason to say, I am not going to allow the government or any agency to tell me what to do, how right. to live. And I think these numbers are absolutely stoked. I think doctors are getting some incentive if they put COVID on the death certificate, if the patient did not indeed die of COVID. There's a conspiracy for everything. Um, this is just <laughs> the latest one. And it That's allows right. people uh, a soapbox to say, I'm not wearing a mask because nobody's going to tell me what to do. Right. Right. Adam, you know, th thank you for sitting down and, and talking Man, facts absolutely. and experience and knowledge here. Um, I've learned more of talking to you than weeks of watching the news. And, and I appreciate your uh, your honesty and transparency. And 
uh, I, I can't wait until this thing gets under control so we can see each other at a kiss show. There you go. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Adam, once I again, agree. thank you so much for sitting down with us. Greatly appreciate you sharing your really? your incredible knowledge of this because you're there firsthand. You're, you're reading it. You've studied it. You know it. You're You're seeing it. Yeah. And thank you so much for all your hard work. Keep fighting that fight. Thank you very much. Yeah. Can I do uh, one shout out? Sure. Sure. Good friend of mine, Jake Larson, who's in a band, uh, which unfortunately has been shelved right now on hiatus. Um, Dime Store Brats. Jake lives in uh, Michigan. Currently doing what a lot of people have been doing that you've seen on Facebook. Uh, Everything via Zoom and and other types of video modalities, but doing... um, musical pieces with each person mm-hmm. responsible for certain instrument vocals etc putting it together so awesome. it's impacted not only the big bands but the little bands too oh, yeah. yeah and we we you know jay and i you know this is our daily bread and butter we know sure. the, the the impact has just been brutal to the entertainment oh. to, to live musicians yep. i mean it's yeah it's, yep. it's gonna be you know everybody talks about phased reopenings Entertainment live concert is going to be the absolute very last phase that reopens here. Just because of its very nature of it's a room filled with thousands and thousands of people, you have no idea what that uh, that person sitting one row ahead of you, one row behind you. 100%. Is from a health standpoint. Yeah, and it affects those artists that we talk about all the time, but it also affects millions of other people who clean the venues, bring the food, make the merch, the road crew. We could go on for hours. The the um, the artists are kind of the tip of the spear. And I, I've got a, a developing artist that had 26 dates with opening for Chicago. It was like a big break. It was really cool for them. Boom. Canceled. Wow. Done. Wow. Yeah, it's heartbreaking for everybody. Sure. So, yep. anyway, Definitely. stay. Yeah, thank you again uh, for talking with us. That stay, was very, stay, very. Stay, stay safe and stay yeah. healthy, Adam. Thank you. Thank you, you guys. I appreciate it very much. Same to you. Discmakers.com. Use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value. You know, I don't know if that was sobering informative, a slap in the face, probably was all of the above. All of the above. All of the above. I mean, it's just, I don't know, for me, it's facts and experience need to be speaking. And, you know, the doctors, the nurses, the first responders, they're living it, they're seeing it, they're experiencing it. They know the, the impact of the disease, but they also know the impact um, things like social distancing can have on it and wearing a mask and washing your hands. It's it's not just lip service. Yeah, and I'd like to take the politics out of it because right now it's, it's a pissing match um, between uh, two sides. And this virus doesn't give a shit about your ideology. And the fact of the matter is, and he, he made it as sobering as I've ever heard it, this is a beast. There is no cure right now for this thing. It's highly contagious. They don't know much about it. It's a killer, and it needs to be taken seriously. Yeah, you know, the book on COVID doesn't exist, and we've only been writing it for about two months now. So, you know, that's the whole point. In 
three months, we're, we're going to know a little bit more, but it's not like all of a sudden you wake up one day and we've learned everything and we know it and we, we can manage, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's gonna, this is gonna take a while. keep evolving and changing too. I mean, I just, I, I suspect we will, like he said, we're going to walk around with immunization cards or antibody yep. cards to prove we are healthy. We're going to be adding uh, COVID to our yearly flu vaccination, and that's just that's going to become the new normal. Yeah, this is going to be uh, crazy for a lot longer than I think people think it is. Yes, for sure, for sure. And even when we come out of it, it is not going back to pre-COVID. Things will have been permanently one hundred percent changed here. Mm-hmm. You know, one hundred percent from the fact of. You may not get into any establishments without having a temperature check, proving you're, again, you've yeah. got a vaccine. Um, close tables are no longer going to be, you know, all of that's going to become yeah, a, a reality. It's going to be a whole new world. Yep. 100%. Yeah. Um, so a real quick shout out. Thank you to Hypebot, Bands in Town for everything you do to support us. And of course, DiscMakers.com. Thank you for sponsoring the show every week. And uh, if you are watching us on YouTube, hit that little red subscribe button. If you're on Spotify, follow us. And if you're on iTunes, subscribe and leave us a review and a rating. We greatly appreciate it. And that's it. Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We'll see you next episode.